we missed the mark. We screwed up. That ended up being a total loss for us, close to six figures. You own something and lightning strikes it. I mean, those things are just out of your control and you have to learn to pivot. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. You got with you today, the Knucklehead Steven. I've got somebody who I've known for a few years with us, and I'm excited to have an entrepreneur that has a, a significant amount of experience dealing with the food industry, dealing with the real estate side of things, dealing with family businesses, understanding kind of the, the alternative board format, just being a part of the entrepreneurial circles and, and organizations like Yen that uh, has experience with. I'm fascinated. I can't wait to get into some of the details of his experiences and have him share some of the struggles, some of the challenges and, and probably some of the commonalities that folks who run family businesses or folks that run really that run organizations similar to his that they run into. So Yen Young over he's an entrepreneur down in Austin, Texas, and he's also the, the CEO of Casoro Group down there in Austin. He is with us today. So Yen, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey Steven, good to talk to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time to visit with us today. So for some context, let's color in the lines here. Yen was uh, I got introduced to Yen several years ago uh, whenever I, I ran a business with my wife called Lifestyle Revolutions down in Austin. And, uh, and Yen at the time was, I don't know, maybe 30 franchises. I, I, he, he knows better than I do the exact number, but he was about 30 or so locations into his How Do You Roll venture. It was a fast casual sushi restaurant in, uh, in, down in Austin. And they were growing like crazy. He and his brother ran this business together um, amongst other uh, amongst other things, uh, given some of his experience in, uh, in the restaurant business as a family. And Yen and I got a chance to, to work together a little bit. We did some, uh, some corporate wellness things down there for him. And that we had a ton of fun getting to, to run that business right alongside some of the experiences that he had had. And we've kind of popped in here and there and just ran into each other over the years. I've always kind of observed what he's been doing from afar. I'm excited that he's here to share some of those experiences that he actually was on Shark Tank, struck a deal with one of the sharks that was on the show. What season was that? How long ago was that, Yen? It, it was quite a while ago. If we count back, I think it's close to seven years ago. And yes. uh, that was season four, uh, episode 16 of Shark Tank. Wow. And I think they're up to season 10 or 12 or something crazy like that. So uh, it was about almost seven years ago now. Wow. It doesn't seem like it's that long ago. And, you know, I'm still relatively young in years, but I appreciate you making me feel just a little bit older there with uh, talking about <laughs> how many years ago it was. That's uh, right. That and you tell, I mean, my goodness, you have a uh, son that's driving now. So that's, that's even more scary to think about just how quickly time, time passes. So let's, let's sort of jump into that real quick, just simply because I think not everybody has the, uh, the opportunity to go on a shark tank. However, I think it, it almost sets an unrealistic expectation for most entrepreneurs that are out there, but that's what entrepreneurship is. Uh, it's this, you know, fairly crafted, creative way to go about getting onto a, a pitch competition. And, you know, you, you, you tell a good story, you, you raise some capital and you're off to the races, which is totally not what entrepreneurship is. But I do believe that there's this false positive that entrepreneurs kind of get suckered into this idea that well, this is, it's just a pitch competition. That's really entrepreneurship, all entrepreneurship is. But you had already founded a business, built a business before you went on to the show and to look for strategic partners. Was, is that right or is that a mischaracterization on my part? 
No, that's correct. So uh, if we if we go back in time, Hattie Roll was actually the third business that I had founded. So previous to Hattie Roll, I had a wealth management practice with a couple of partners uh, in Austin. There's another venture that I did with an uh, with one of the same partners from wealth management, where we uh, created and designed a board game, a seasonal Christmas board game called Wacky White Elephant. And so by the time we got to Heidi Roll, it was actually my third venture going into a industry that really, quite honestly, uh, I grew up in. And so it wasn't that foreign to me when it came to food and service. Uh, but learning to grow the business from a kind of mom and pop style, which is what I watched my parents do, to making it a true you know, institution by itself, and then learning franchise on top of that. So that's really, you know, so it was kind of my, my third go around, if you will, by the time I got to how do you roll? Yeah, uh, that's, that's interesting. I, I, I vaguely remember uh, hearing that at one point in time. I didn't, I didn't remember that until you just said that. So would you say that, let's just say you're talking to an entrepreneur who's gone through hiring their first employee, or even, even just the, the amount of change that somebody has to go through going from opening one location to another, would you say that the, the amount of change or learn, learning agility that's needed from that entrepreneur going from one to two is greater in that, that initial growth stage? Or is it running an organization of, of 10 folks or opening in 10 locations? What would you say is, is harder or what, has, uh, what forces that entrepreneur to go through the most change? Yeah. When you think about the stages of entrepreneurship, there's the, the what I call the startup stage where you're, you do everything yourself. They call you the CEO because it stands for chief everything officer. And then you give yourself that title and uh, you've got to do everything. And in all business, the interesting thing about business is that the components are the same. It's just the magnitude uh, or the size of uh, time money and resources are just different. And so the analogy I'd give you is that the challenges that you have when you're raising children, the ages of being, you know, even from pregnancy to maybe three, four years old before they start school, that's one set of challenges. And it's very different in that set of challenges than when your kids are in school and then they get to middle school and then from middle school to high school and then high school to college until they become adults. And what you find is that the challenges of, of you know, being a parent to a teenager is very different than the level that you need to, to work with a newborn. Well, a business is no different. A business is just like that. It, that's why they call it, it, it you know, are you, is that your baby, right? Because it literally feels that way. And so you start off by building business very similar to incubation of a child, right? Whether it starts with pregnancy, which to me is similar to business where you're doing pre-planning and you're coming up with the idea and what the business is going to be about and you're doing pro formas and trying to figure out what the model is going to look like and who your customers are going to be to when the baby's born, meaning that maybe you open a store or maybe you you you, you hang a shingle out somewhere on, on the internet, whatever it might be, then it all starts evolving from there. And a lot of businesses, you, you probably heard the statistic that, you know, over 90% of small businesses fail, right? And the survival rate is so low because of the amount of energy uh, it takes to get something off the ground. And so what you find is that the infancy stages of a business are the most critical. And, and most businesses die in the infancy stages. I don't want to jump in here and, and ask a question that, that puts you in a weird spot, but Get, going into the third business, how do you roll, for instance, and what the customer is going to experience, 
is largely contingent upon you know your distributors showing up on time, the the employees essentially buying into your philosophy and and wanting to represent the product a certain way. Um, so a lot of that has to do with you, but at the same time, it it almost has to do with how effective you are at communicating. And so I guess my question to you would be is how do how have you seen entrepreneurs handle the difference between you know the performance of the business and then who they are themselves? You know what I mean? The struggling with who they are as an individual versus the, the performance of the business. Yeah. Well, I mean, to answer that question directly, uh, the hardest thing to do is to separate yourself from your business. Your business should not be what identifies you. It should be you identifying the business. And one of the big lessons I tell every entrepreneur that I come across is that I say, never fall in love with the businesses that you create. And I say that in plural because hopefully there's more than one. But I said, you know, love your family, love your children, you know, love your parents, your friends, et cetera, but never fall in love with your business. Your business is just a means to serve your greater purpose of who you are in life. And so the challenges of business is the challenges of business. And that's a game. That's, that's our occupation. When you're an entrepreneur, that's your occupation, right? Is to see and try to figure out if there's a need in the world, how do you fill it? And can you make money doing it? And that's, a, that's an okay conversation, right? Is to be able to create something that serves a purpose, uh, makes the world better. And then at the same time, can make, make some money for you to make your world better. And going through that process is challenging because a lot of people get so stuck in love with their ideas, they don't give themselves the chance to change or modify or be able to grow. Like pruning, for example. One of the things we do in established businesses is that every year we have to prune, right? We've got to get rid of some dead weight in order for the whole thing to grow. And so those are the type of things that early on in infancy stages of businesses people don't realize those things and they forget about those things. And so those things are the things that end up killing them down the road. Have you ever asked yourself why you haven't started a podcast? Well, I already know the reason. So do you. You don't feel like you're tech savvy. You don't feel like you got your message wired tight. And quite frankly, it's just, it's all this mystification going on. Quite frankly, uh, our process helps to demystify that. We're push button for podcasts. We're knucklehead. Why knucklehead? Well, we lead with the fact that you don't know what you're doing. We do. We've been there. We've actually been in your shoes. We take your spoken voice. We literally give a human voice to your website. You want to bring dead leads to life? Well, then you need to talk to Knucklehead. Essentially, what we're going to do is we're going to take you through our process and we're going to help take your human voice and increase the process for you going from dead leads to life. How do I, how do, I do that? Well, you essentially just take your human voice, put it in a directory and let people consume more of you. Give your audience the ability to Netflix on you. They want to binge watch you. They want to binge listen. Give them the ability to take your voice along on that commute with them. So you can get in touch with us, Steven at Knucklehead Podcasts, or if you've got a really cool story, stories at Knucklehead Podcasts. You can find us on LinkedIn and on Facebook at Knucklehead Promotions LLC and get in touch with us. Don't be a beta about the process. Don't let the fact that you don't know prevent you from getting some wins. So don't be a beta, get some wins and contact us today. See you. Can I ask you a question about your, the development of that of that philosophy? Uh, is it okay to, to dive yeah. into? How, okay, so your your philosophy that that is a that is a belief that's held uh, very firmly by you, and, and it's shared across the board with a lot of other entrepreneurs who've been very successful at running their businesses. But in order to develop that perspective, you had to go through some pain. What absolutely? You, can, can you think about Can you think about a time where you you know you're you're forced to essentially you know, have 
the the not not the emotional stability, but the the wherewithal to deal with the stress and the pressure, and and it didn't go the way that you wanted to, and or things were starting to fall, fall apart at the seams, and 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 yet you're wanting to hold it together, and you left with this perspective that you just that you just explained to us here. Can you talk about a period of time where where that uh, where that was happening to you, where you you kind of earned that perspective, so to speak? Yeah, I, I will tell you, for example, with the board game, that ended up being a total loss for us, close to six figures, right? Uh, so not not the hugest loss, right? It could be much worse, but that was a loss. And the thing we didn't see there as a business was we were in love with the idea. We thought it was the coolest thing, right? It was this, it was this idea of, hey, you know what? People do Christmas gift exchanges all the time. They do white elephant gift exchanges. We're going to build a board game around that and make it really kind of wacky and fun. And, and we tested it and we played around with all these different things and people loved it. And then none of it really sold. <laughs> oh my goodness. And, I go back and I look and I say, you know what? We, we missed the mark. We, we screwed up. And where we missed the mark was this was right during the time period when video games and apps and games on, on phones and apps were really big. And people were shifting now from really not doing a whole lot of board games, but rather mo- mobile games, right? Or mobile apps. And really, when I go back and look at it, I still talk to my old partner about it today. I said, you know, we should, we should just turn this thing into an app. And, and the thing with the app is that that's where everybody would actually use it. Now, neither one of us are, are brave enough now to reinvest into the concept, but we, we're still talking about it. But that was the lesson learned to where sometimes you just can't, you can't fight the tides, right? If technology shifts on you, if the market shifts on you, you own something and lightning strikes it. I mean, those things are just out of your control and you have to learn to pivot. And, and the hardest thing to learn how to pivot in business is to make those calls when you're in the thralls of it, right? We should have yeah. pivoted. When, when we were out there, we should have recognized that, you know, hey, we need a timer and everyone has a timer on their phone now. And um, we need answers or we need music. And you know what? Everyone can play music off their phone now. We didn't see it. We didn't recognize it. And because we were so enthralled with this idea of no work, board game. Right, we want to be a board game, and we had a box, and you know, board, and turned out you didn't need any of that stuff, right? And and so we sometimes you think you know what's best for other people, but sometimes you don't, and and so that's where really some of the the that's an example of a lesson learned that you know going backwards, I, I should have I should have gone with the tide and said, hey, you know, technology is a new game, and instead of spending the money there printing boards and that sort of stuff should have built an app. <laughs> the app might have done a lot better. Well, I mean, in both, in both scenarios, you're, you're talking about, uh, you're still talking about making decisions, right? And so it comes, it comes back to how do you, how do you make decisions? And, and you know, what, what, what you see a lot of cases, especially in athletes or, or even in, let's just, talk, let's just stick to the to, to business. When you deal with pressure and the stakes being high or, or folks relying on you to provide or make good choices uh, so you can, great income and take care of your family and, and move forward in life. All the, all the things synonymous with, uh, with what we've come to expect here as Americans in this country and really, quite frankly, across the world, just because folks are really wanting to go out there and, and, and give a better life to their, uh, to their children, um, you know, if they're responsible. I'll just put it to you that way. They, the idea is how do you develop that resistance knowing that, you know, yeah, I, I, we jacked up this particular decision, but – I know that I'm I'm capable of making better decisions going forward. How do you how do you roll the dice on you again after you after you've gone through that uh, scrape knee or bloody nose, so to speak? You should never give up on yourself, right? So 
a failure in business does not translate to a failure as you as a person. And that's the whole thing of don't get married to your business, right? If the business fails, the business fails. The only thing you can get, there is never a bad mistake or bad failure. There's only a bad mistake and bad failure if you didn't learn anything from it, right? And so whether I lost six figures or seven figures or whatever, if I learned something that, yes, very expensive education, but well worth it, right? Because what it does is, it allows you to grow so that you make better decisions next time around and you see things very differently. And, you know, a lot of times people talk about wisdom, right? And, and, and wisdom is those watching other people make mistakes and go, you know what? I'm not going to do that. Right. And I think that's part of what your, your program is all about here, right? Is what are those mistakes and maybe I, I can, I can avoid them and make your own mistakes and, and learn from those. And uh, so the hardest thing to do is that when the business fails, you cannot take it personally that you are a failure but rather the business failed. So somewhere in the model, it didn't work. Maybe the environment wasn't right. Maybe it was just underfunded. It could be any, any uh, a gazillion reasons of why it didn't make it. But what you learn from it and what you get out of it for you to build off of the next building block, that's the beauty of it. That's the pile of gold at the end. Yeah, we call that process get some wins. Just here, we describe it in a way and we throw a little hashtag up there just to right. make it trendy, so to speak, right? But the idea is simply this. You, you've got to go out there and get some wins. Because yep. there's been there's been some some pretty dark places that, fortunately, I've had to go to simply just because of the consuming nature of either business or the weight of performance and the lack of execution. And so because of that lack of execution, you start to, to doubt yourself. Uh, and then you start this downward cycle of self-sabotaging behavior that doesn't necessarily... Uh, mean that you're you're going to stay there forever, but it's it's it feels like it when you're in it. And so, if you don't start that process of getting yourself some wins, you're essentially you're just going to get what you've always got, which is you don't take the time to evaluate what you what you screwed up, the learning lesson from that pain, and and then moving forward. Uh, That's it right. Seems so it seems so generic in the way that you say it, but it, it's the truth. And those are those are lessons that you learn. Is it okay if I, if we talk about your experience on Shark Tank real quick before we jam? Yeah, for sure. Okay. I want to also give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about, you know, what you're doing now and how people can get in touch with you. But I remember very clearly at one point in time, watching that particular episode, if you haven't watched it, go back to exactly what Yen said, season four, I think you'd say episode 12. Is that uh, episode saying? 16. Okay, there we go. So episode 16, I apologize. But I remember whenever you started fielding offers from the Sharks, you turned to your brother who you were running the business with at the time. And y'all, you asked for a few minutes and y'all talked through a few things. But I remember whenever you gave the answer to uh, to Mr. O'Leary, you were very definitive and you said yes to him. That all is shown in like a four minute period of time. How long were you there for? And what was going through your mind that entire time yeah. as they're just grilling you with all these questions? Yeah. So so what people see, the whole episode, I think, is like uh, 12 minutes. The part that we were in front of the sharks was eight minutes. The actual time that we were in front of the shark was 92 minutes. So what most people saw on TV was less than 10% of what actually happened. And I think you mentioned something about, you know, people thinking business is like that, where it's just this pitch and, and you just go out there and you sell yourself and you sell your business because you got this great idea and great background. The reality is that even being on a reality TV show, what you don't see is the behind the scenes of the other 90 minutes that was cut to the floor of real business discussions. And what I mean by that is an example is Mark Cuban and I 
We're discussing my valuation. He started drilling me about my formula. We started talking about my model. And we went through everything from discount rates to pro forma numbers, uh, any attrition, everything. 15-minute discussion. And he said, you know what? That's one of the best presentations I've seen of somebody that knows their valuation. But I don't want to be in the sushi business, so I'm out. So I guess the only part they showed was, I don't want to be in the sushi business, I'm out. They missed the entire 15 minutes of true valuation discussion, right? How did I justify my worth of a company and how legitimate was that conversation, right? That's a very, very valuable piece of information that is conveniently left out uh, for the sake of entertainment, right? I think that's for, right. Or for, or for, for lack of anything, I can't think of another factor as to why they <laughs> leave that out. It almost almost sounds like there's an opportunity that ABC could capitalize on called the behind the scenes. But the behind the scenes, that's right. Yeah, the all the real time. business discussions. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a learning lesson all in itself right there. So hey, that's interesting. Is there anything that you learned from, from that that you didn't expect to? One of the biggest things that I got out of it was I was impressed with and surprised by the power of that show and the amount of eyeballs that was watching you at one in one moment, right? They estimated somewhere around five, six million people watched it. And then that doesn't even count the re-airs and the, and the reruns. So in that one moment for about eight minutes, you had, you know, five, six million eyeballs looking at you, your concept, et cetera. There are not a lot of things that can buy you that kind of marketing power. And that's what made me really impressed and, and had a lot of respect for the show. And they do it every week. And they, and they yeah. have for over a decade, which is even that's right. more impressive. Well, I appreciate you, you taking a, a trip down memory lane with us and then obviously being able to apply a lot of those lessons uh, going forward that you talked about, learning, learning from the board game experience and and for those of you who are listening to the Knucklehead, listen, these are the stories that uh, that are important to not just gloss over, right? And, and the sea of information that's available to you. Uh, what we strive for is being able to extract not just some of the experiences that that we've had personally as, as, as business owners here, or even myself on this particular podcast. But the idea is there's stories out there from folks like Yen uh, who are just passing by you every single day. Yen has a very unique story, if you, if you ask me, but... He spends a, a significant amount of time just, I know some of these things, I don't know all the details, but you find other people that are like you and you strive to put yourself in, in, uh, in those environments to, to grow and, and be challenged. What are some organizations that you would suggest some folks go out there and find or how do they evaluate what would be the right fit for them if they're going to put themselves in an environment where they want to learn from somebody else, maybe not in their industry, but learn from their perspective or kind of entrepreneur type circles? Yeah, I, one of the biggest things, if you want success in business, and I wrote this in my book, The Blind Grind, one of the biggest determining factors of your success is really how, how strong and how big is your network. And the quality of your network has a huge impact on whether or not you're going to make it in business. And so you really need to spend time understanding network, what it means, and who's connected to you. And I always tell people, I said, look, it's not what you know. It's not who you know. It's who knows you. And the more people who know you, the stronger your network, right? It's that relationship that's so critical. So in business, what we spend a lot of time doing is helping each other. There's a huge, strong entrepreneurial community out there. I was member and president 
uh, of an organization called EO, which stands for Entrepreneurs Organization. It's a global organization, and it's literally all the founders and owners of businesses that have over a million in revenue that get together, and we have something called Forum, where we basically get into a locked room of about 10 entrepreneurs, and we share things with each other and help each other on things that we don't dare tell the rest of the world. Everything from, I I had an employee steal from me, what should I do, to I've been hacked, (laughs) to my wife is sick of me because I work too much and she's going to divorce me. I mean, all of those things that we have nowhere to go to have those conversations, that's what EO provided. And for for well over uh, two decades, I was involved with that, right? And I continue to actually have a, a I call a rogue forum going on right now with some of those same people that I've known for over a decade. Uh, we, we still meet on a regular basis. That's one avenue. The other avenue, for example, is really what I'm involved in today, which is the Greater Austin Asian Chamber of Commerce. And what I found there was, wow, there's even more people that are into business than I thought. Not just EO, which I was like, man, hundreds and hundreds of entrepreneurs I've met. Now, all of a sudden, I open another channel up and it's like, wow, the chamber, it just exposed me to another like thousand entrepreneurs all in Austin and Central Texas. And so it's very humbling to, to realize how big of, of, of a deal that is and how important the entrepreneurial community really is and how it supports each other. So I, I always encourage people, get out there, find your niche, find your tribe. And, and be a part of it and keep growing and find another tribe and grow and find another tribe and grow. So, you know, whether it's the chamber, whether it's entrepreneurs organization, uh, there's also YPO, young professionals organization. There's all kinds of places where you just got to get yourself out there. There's all kinds of places to build, build your network. And that's stronger. That network of people who know you is going to make all the difference of whether or not you're going to be successful in business. Well, I appreciate that. So those are there. He just peppered you with, littered you almost with a, a significant amount of resources. So for those of you who are listening, we'll include those in the show notes in terms of links and and uh, places that you can access material. And one of the places that uh, I want to make available to these folks again, you had referenced writing a book. Where can people find that? I mean, how can people get in touch with you? And you know, coming out of this episode, what should people do if they uh, want to find out more about about what you're doing now or, or connect with you on LinkedIn? Or how would you suggest people connect with you and, or even find your book? Yeah, so so the book itself is on Amazon, or you can just go to the website blindgrind.com. And the book was written really was something that I wanted to leave for my my sons, my two boys. I was worried that in a doggy dog world and in a world and an environment where it was hard to figure out what you want to do and what you're going to be when you grow up, I wanted to give them the formula for success. And so that book is written on what true success is. Most people say it's hard work. And I tell them it's actually not hard work. Hard work is not an element of success. Uh, hard work is the, the energy you apply to the real elements that make you successful. And so, you know, you hear people say it's not how hard you work, but how smart you work. It's, it's a combination of both, right? And so when you work on your network, for example, that's where your, your success grows. And so anyway, the book is all about the uh, six elements that I've identified as true success of if you focus on these elements and you work hard on these elements, uh, your probability of success skyrockets. So that's what the book is about. I'm also the CEO of Casoro uh, Group. Uh, we also have a, a REIT that people can invest uh, in commercial real estate with us. And we've done very well in that, that process. That website's called Upside Avenue. 
And for as low as $2,000, you can start investing into commercial grade real estate with us and, uh, and hopefully build up your wealth and your, your worth so that over time you, you've got a nest egg. And so we, I feel very ha- excited and happy about that product that we, we put out there uh, because historically, uh, most people could not get into multifamily apartment complexes and cost too much, right? So we finally had a chance to create a product called Upside Avenue to give everybody out there a chance to invest with us, alongside with us. And it's doing very well. It's, it's averaging 5 6% yield already, plus we figure there's going to be another 5 10% of appreciation. So it's going to be, I think it's going to be a very exciting product. Well, you sharpen the tools, sharpen the tools in the tool shed by, by reading the books, uh, listening to some of the material that uh, that he made available to you in terms of the organizations. And, yeah, I mean, if you're browsing in the nighttime, you want to you want to check out YouTube. You can go watch an old Shark Tank episode. Yen literally just gave you four different sensory oriented ways to to consume more of the information that he has made available. And also on top of that, why not help your net worth grow by going over to Upside Avenue? I appreciate the litany of information that you just threw at us there. I appreciate you taking the time to walk us through almost step by step what you know what you've been able to do and even exposing us a little bit to to some of the things that can uh, that would stop folks that you had to uh, to grind through yourself. Uh, I love the name of your your book by the way, uh, the blind grind and I can't wait to I can't wait to get it and take a look. So, you know, I appreciate you taking some time. Anything else that you want to leave these folks with before we jam? Yeah, Stephen, thank thanks for having me number 1 and number 2, I just want your your listeners to realize that their success is is there for them to grab. There's nothing in their way, and and whether it's reading my book or other books or or going to investing money, you know, here and there or whatever you're doing, whatever the success is that they envision, it's completely available to them. They just got to go get it and go through the process of getting it. And and failure is part of that process, and that's okay. But they're going to get great success if they stay with it. So, and much success to you and your show as well, too. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. For everybody else who's uh, who's listening and, and wants to continue listening to Knucklehead Podcast, if you haven't subscribed yet, uh, go ahead and click that subscribe button and listen to Knucklehead Podcast wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts. So again, we appreciate you taking some time, buddy. And uh, Thank with you. that, we are a wrap. <laughs>